0: Life Audio. Sin does not preclude us from God's kingdom. It does not count us out because what God's looking for is hearts that are devoted to Him, hearts that continue to seek Him, hearts that repent and confess and try again and receive God's grace and move toward Him with joy and peace. So as you wait in this Advent season, I want to remind you to wait with joy I want to remind you that when you mess up, as you will, come back to your Heavenly Father, confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, and you are able to stay close to Him, to be in communion with Him because of the Holy Spirit, because it's been given to us, and that is the best gift of all. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm really excited about the series we're in called God of Our Mothers. We're looking at the women in Jesus's genealogy as we get ready and prepare for the birth of Jesus. And we're on Bathsheba today. She is mentioned in Matthew chapter one. She's mentioned as Uriah's wife, not with her name, which we'll get to in a moment. But this is a story that is once again, full of twists, turns, difficulties, and yet, and yet our God is at work. So we're going to be in First Kings chapter 1 today. But before we get to that, a couple of things I want to let you know about. First, we've got a Christmas Eve liturgy for you. This is a read-along way to walk through the significance of Jesus' birth with people of all ages. So if you're looking for a way to bring some meaning to your Christmas gathering and to bring sort of the spirit of Christ into that place, this is an easy way to do so. You light some candles, people read along. It's a brief little reflection that you can pick up for free by going to NicoleUnis.com slash Christmas. And you can download that liturgy for free and you can read along and use it wherever and however you'd like. And for all of you who do sign up for the liturgy, we want to let you know that we have an extra gift for a couple of lucky winners, we have a book by Francine Rivers called The Lineage of Grace. This is the stories of the women that we've been tracking in this series, but this is a fictional rendition of these stories. It is so gripping. It is so good. I love Francine Rivers' writing. If you have not been familiar with her, she writes Christian fiction. Beautiful writing. Thank you to our friends at Tyndale who have provided us these books to give away. So all you need to do is be on that email list, nicoleunis.com slash Christmas, and a couple of people are going to win and we're going to send those off to you this week. So make sure you get those emails in by Wednesday of this week and then we're going to send this book off to a couple of winners. So it's been super, super fun, a great way to prepare, a little different way to prepare maybe to be looking at these stories of these women, but I know that it's enriched and strengthened my faith to remember that God is a God who does not work in margins, and he is always, always drawing people to himself, and there is no limits to his love and his grace for us. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only.
1: Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation.
0: So let's look at the story of Bathsheba. You may be familiar with this story from 2 Samuel, which we'll go back into the backstory a little bit. But many people know the story of Bathsheba because it's so scandalous, right? It's just, it's so soap opera-ish of the story of kind of King David's great fall from righteousness when he sees Bathsheba bathing and he calls her to himself. He has his men out on the battlefield and he's not with them. And he sees this woman bathing on a roof, calls her, and he takes her as his own. And it turns out that she is the wife of Uriah, one of his chief soldiers. He then has Uriah killed on the battlefront so that he can keep Bathsheba for himself. He is punished for this by God. He is repentant of this sin by, we see in his own admonition, how he is repentant and returns to God. And yet God calls David a man after his own heart. So God works in failure and in moral failure and in failings and fallings. And we can, you know, want to cancel people all day long. But the reality is God is a God of redemption and he's looking for hearts that are committed to him. He's not looking for perfection as we talked about last week. So that's kind of like. Bathsheba's scandalous, like, piece in Scripture, but yet she shows up again, and she shows up in Jesus's genealogy as an heir to who Jesus would become. She is in his lineage. She is one of his mothers, his ancestors, through the line. And so let's take a closer look at Bathsheba in a little different place in Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 28 through 31. I'm going to read these verses, and then we'll circle back to what's going on right now when we enter into this passage. Then King David said, call in Bathsheba. So just know this is after the scandal, okay? This is later on in the story. This is decades later. King David says, call in Bathsheba. So she comes into the king's presence and stood before him. The king then took an oath, as surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble. I will surely carry out this very day what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne in my place. Then Bathsheba bowed down with her face to the ground, prostrating herself before the king, and said, May my lord, King David, live forever." Okay, first question, what does it say? Okay, so obviously when we jump into the middle of a complicated narrative, which is what's happening in 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings, it can be pretty difficult to figure out, okay, what am I supposed to get from this with only like 10 minutes? But let's, that's where our study notes can actually help because our study notes will give us a little bit of context and remind us of what's kind of going on in the story. Now, it would be great to dive deeper and to really dig in and understand The history of the kings and what's going on at that time, and and that's a worthy pursuit. But for our purposes today, where we're just trying to do a flyover to understand the women in the genealogy from Matthew chapter one, we're going to kind of use our study notes to just make sure that we understand kind of what's going on as we enter into this passage. So we want to know when, where, why, like when we enter into context. And so What we want to know, first and foremost, that stands out in this passage is that Bathsheba is a key person in David's kingdom. Bathsheba is not just a beautiful woman who shows up and makes David fall from glory, right? Bathsheba continues in his kingdom and in his family. She becomes his wife. She is a powerful person in the kingdom because we see here decades later that she still has David's ear. She still has a voice And an important place in his kingdom. And we know that now the lineage of David's line is going to pass through Bathsheba. David had multiple wives and multiple sons, but the son who's going to carry forth David's lineage is going to come from Bathsheba. And that son is Solomon. And we see here, we don't know when this happened, but we get from context in this passage that at some point, David made an oath to Bathsheba that her son would be king that through her line royalty would continue and so that's what we kind of get right from this passage is that bathsheba is still in the presence of david she's still an important person in the kingdom and that bathsheba's son solomon bathsheba and david's son solomon even though david had many sons with many other wives it is solomon who is going to continue as king it's solomon who's going to continue in god's promises And it's through Solomon and through David's lineage that we then see that Jesus comes from this lineage. And this is all to fulfill prophecies from the Old Testament that we're not going to get into today. But when we know what was prophesied about the Messiah, we knew he would come from King David's line. And so this is sort of the linchpin woman who continues this story in King David's line. And she's the last woman mentioned before Mary. So... We've got these women mentioned all through. We started with Tamar, and then we went to Rahab, and then we went to Ruth, and now we're at Bathsheba, and then we're going to go to Mary, and that's it. That's the women who are mentioned. Obviously, there's many more generations. Remember, at the beginning of the series, we talked about how in the genealogies, there's this idea of the the telescope genealogy, like it's going to hone in on a couple of people. So obviously, there are many other women in Jesus's line but these are the women that were specially mentioned. And there's a reason for that. There's just no, nothing's wasted in scripture. So when the reason we're sort of digging in and diving into these stories is to be like, okay, why does God want us to know that these women are special in the sense of like connected to Jesus? And for sure, the reason that they're mentioned is because who they were and what they experienced and how they lived and how they engage with God are all parts of why they connect to Jesus's passion, Jesus's mission, what he was here to do. And that means it connects to us as well. So when we go to the story of Bathsheba, we want to understand. And obviously, if you're just catching up on First Kings, you're going to be like, OK, how am I supposed to know what's been happening before this? There's all this intrigue. The reason that Bathsheba goes into the king's chambers is. And calls on this, you know, hey, you promised that Solomon would be king is because another son is trying to usurp the throne and he's going to kill everybody. This is like very Game of Thrones like like in order to usurp the throne, another son is going to kill everybody else in the family so that he can be king. Hey, guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org study. Again, that's give.cru.org study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. and this kind of thing is happening now as david gets older he's not aware that this is happening and his chief advisors are coming around him to be like hey hey you need to put solomon on the throne because you know there's trouble in the kingdom and so we know that bathsheba's got that special place where she can be one of those advisors who's bringing this information to him along with the prophet nathan and nathan appears many times in david's life in fact in a very important place so As we're looking at this first Kings passage, one of the things we can do is look at our study notes and our study notes are going to take us back to where the story also exists so that we can understand how did this relationship come to be and how is Bathsheba important to David and important to God. And in our study notes, it tells us to go back to 2 Samuel 12. So if you want to know more about this story, this is where you would go. And in 2 Samuel 12, we see Nathan, this same Nathan that appears in 1 Kings. Nathan comes to confront David about what he's done with Bathsheba. Everything, if we go backward in the story, this is when David commits adultery with Bathsheba. Everything that he did, David did, he thought he did in secret. He thought he was getting away with it. It's like a classic version of conspiracy cover-up and lies. Like, what happens when you dig yourself a deeper and deeper and deeper hole? And Nathan is a prophet who comes to David to basically confront him for his sin and to say, I know what you did. God knows what you did. And you need to repent. You've been wrong. And so Nathan comes and he does this really, really, you can go to 2 Samuel 12 yourself and read it. But Nathan tells a story that kind of catches David in his own lie. And he says, hey, you have done what is evil. You have struck down Uriah, a righteous man, so that you could have his wife. So not only did you commit adultery, but you also conspired and then murdered a righteous man so that you could have this woman. And then he's punished. And Nathan says to David, like, the Lord is going to keep you alive. Obviously, God was using the line of David. So David's an important guy. But he said the child that you have impregnated Bathsheba with a child, that child is going to die. And so Bathsheba and David mourn the death of this child. And David tries to get God to change his mind. He fasts and he prays, but the child dies. And after the child dies, David gets up and he gets back to work. And he says, OK, God has punished me for my sin. And he goes and he comforts his wife Bathsheba. This is in verse 24, 2 Samuel 12. And it says he went and he laid with her and she bore a son and she they called him Solomon. And the Lord loved him and so we see that even though tragedy and pain have come through david's sin once again god is renewing and god is redeeming and the chapter isn't over that that sadness that death that suffering wasn't the end of the story for david and it wasn't the end of the story for bathsheba and they have this child solomon and solomon becomes a very key figure in the old testament as well he wrote ecclesiastes It's said to be the wisest and richest man that ever lived. Solomon is the one who completes David's job and builds God's temple. So Solomon becomes really, really important. And we get this big backstory of pain and renewal that God can work and create a whole new life. So our third question is, what does it mean? As we do our Bible study and we engage in this like big narrative from the Old Testament, we want to ask ourselves, what's the principle here? What is God bringing forth For us and why is Bathsheba mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. And I wrote down a principle for today, particularly as it pertains to Advent. As we wait, we can trust in the renewal of all things that is promised through Christ and will be fulfilled in Christ's ultimate return. Now, that may seem like a really big principle to draw out of the story of Bathsheba and David, but because the story is there and because the story propels God's plan forward, because God himself said, I want this woman mentioned in Jesus' lineage. I believe that this is a sign and this is a clue from thousands of years before that God was moving his plan forward and that his plan has always been that we can trust in the renewal of all things that was promised through Christ. Titus 3 verses 4 through 6 say this. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We get to be in that part of the story. Bathsheba and Solomon and David and Nathan are in the previous part of the story. They were part of the story that moved us toward Jesus. We get to be in the story where the renewal of all things is seen and promised through the Holy Spirit, and that when Jesus Christ returns again, which he will, We will see full renewal. We will see full restoration, full redemption. And that's a promise that we have because of what God's told us. So finally, what does it mean for me? What does it mean to apply this to our lives today? And I think the first thing that just stands out, even as we are in week four, is that God's plan is uncomfortable if we didn't know it before, with Tamar and Rahab and Ruth, I think we are getting it now that that God's plan colors outside the lines. That God doesn't use the people that you expect. God isn't using people who have sterling backgrounds and pedigrees. He seems to use just like people who really trash things in life, like really mess stuff up. And that should be uncomfortable to you if you're a if you're a cradle Christian, if you're a a quote unquote good Christian girl or boy who loves to go to Sunday school and church, you might think, oh, man, like I'm doing the right thing. And man, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that God uses people who seem to be such blatant sinners. But if you're familiar with your blatant sin, then you'll find comfort in this, that God is a God who says, I am using the life and I am looking at the heart when I look for people who are following after me. First Samuel 16, 7 says, People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, is this license to sin? Absolutely not, because sin always creates destruction. Sin always creates suffering. And we see that in the story of David and Bathsheba, correct? But sin does not preclude us from God's kingdom. It does not count us out, because what God's looking for is hearts that are devoted to him, hearts that continue to seek him, Hearts that repent and confess and try again and receive God's grace and move toward him with joy and peace. So as you wait in this Advent season, I want to remind you to wait with joy. I want to remind you that when you mess up, as you will, come back to your Heavenly Father, confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And you are able to stay close to him, to be in communion with him because of the Holy Spirit, because it's been given to us. And that is the best gift of all. Talk to you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show.